1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Hey everybody, Phil Toronto here again, uh, number one beanie influencer in the world. I want to remind everybody of that. Today I have Marisa of United Sodas. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, Open Dialogue. Didn't plug that yet, but thank you. Of course. Uh, can you actually give our viewers a rundown on what United Sodas is? Sure. Uh, so United Sodas, we are a soda company that launched uh, in May of this year, full name United Sodas of America. And uh, essentially what we are is a premium all natural soda that uh, focuses on variety and choice of flavors and organically sweetened, uh, you know, uh, for everyone to enjoy soda at a better, uh, you know, in a better for you package that also um, feels exciting and, and new and really captures the the, uh, the the best parts of soda while leaving the worst parts of soda, you know, in the past. Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely want to come back to that. That's a really sure. interesting point. Yeah. Um, before you were in the soda biz, what were you doing? I had been working in uh, strategy, marketing strategy, brand strategy, communication strategy, advertising strategy, the strategy space um, for brands uh, for uh, over 12 years. And um, I wore many many different hats in that capacity. I was in agencies. I was at brands. Um, I was uh, a mentor to founders of new companies who wanted to learn more about how to build brands. And uh, through that journey, I eventually found my way to uh, making my own and and doing it in a totally different way. Um, And so prior to starting United Sodas, I didn't have any experience in making a soda brand. I don't come from the beverage industry. I come from outside of the beverage industry and I'm applying sort of brand principles to building to building a, a product and a soda and building a team and a company and a culture and the whole thing. So really jumped right in there. No, that's amazing. That's actually, that was probably one of the most perfect segues to what I wanted to touch back on. I was going to say, um, it is a different take on soda, obviously, mm. but I think you kind of stared down the elephant in the room because a lot of maybe not direct competitors, but other folks in the space are thinking, hey, soda's bad. A lot of people Mm. drink it. What's the alternative? Whereas you went the route of, hey, soda's bad. How do we make a better soda? Because a Mm. lot of people drink it. Mm. Uh, That's exactly right. Like that's, that is just a head on approach. I really respect it. I think it's super smart. Um, There's no question there. That was just a statement that I wanted to make to you. Um, But is there some... uh, impetus that pushed you over the edge to finally start your own brand since you've been in the space for so long? Uh, It was really about the people that, um, well, it was timing. Timing had to be right. Uh, And and then it was also the people that I was surrounding myself with that allowed me to feel like I had the confidence and the resources and the team to be able to do it. And um, so it all happened. Essentially, um, I met my co-founders in a time where I was basically a consultant and they had been working in beverage for a while. I had been working in in beverage for a while on the brand side. And we kind of cooked up kind of in an incubated way, this exciting idea, because the insight was everyone's making things on the outside of soda in order to, you know, capture the soda opportunity. Um, And so why don't we do it on the inside? And that was really the first kind of exciting, uh, you know, impetus to start it. And then we developed it little by little by little by little. And, and it allowed me to make the transition to say, I love this idea. I love this team. It's the right time in my life. 
And we just decided together, like, we're going to make this jump together. But we had like a year of development and, you know, the pressure was kind of off. We were in this sort of like play incubation kind of mode and it allowed us to be really fluid and uh, creative and imaginative. And I think had we not done that, had we been like, okay, we have to find all this funding and then we'll start our work. Um, it might've gone a little bit differently. Um, so it was, it was really a combination of those things. And I really just fell in love with the idea and I really believed in what we were doing. And so totally. I decided to do it. Were you a big soda drinker before? I mean, you might mm. not even be a big soda drinker now. You just might like the product, but did that play into it at all? Yeah. So, um, my family was always a big soda family um, in the way that we had, like my grandparents always had 7-Up, like always. They like bought the same thing for like their entire life at the grocery market. <laughs> and, and they- the trip, uh, Like it was the same trip. Every, it, was, it was like Groundhog Day. Was, and I love that because I would go to their home and I open the fridge and be like, oh, I get to have this, <laughs> I get to have that, you know, whatever. Um, and they always had Apple Jacks and they always had 7-Up and they, you know, I know all the brands, right? So, um, <clears throat> and then, and then when I was growing up, my dad was um, always bought cherry Pepsi. That was like his thing. For whatever reason, he grew up in a seven up household, but he like fell in love with cherry Pepsi. And then I was the diet Coke person and I drank diet Coke, like a fiend. I think there's a lot of women of my age group that probably feel that way. Um, like a fiend for a really long time. And then there was this like critical moment of drop off. And I started to drink other things like kombuchas, like, you know, flavored waters and, you know, vitamin water was sort of a thing, you know, a way to wean us off of like the the soda train. And so that, you know, this is like the trajectory of, of, of how we got to where we are today. And so beverages have always been huge in my life. You know, I get really into one beverage by a bunch of it and then I move on to another one. And, um, and so uh, when it came to soda, I found that, it was something that I had stepped away from, but only because there wasn't a better, there, there wasn't anything in the soda space that was evolving with me. And I knew that I wasn't alone. So now I drink a ton of my own soda and a, I'm a huge soda drinker. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I have, I have one like right now. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, the, the, the purpose of this is to really, you know, help the world reimagine what the word soda can be and to take away all of the baggage of it and remind everyone of the, of the wonderfulness of it. There, part of the research that we did for the project was um, asking people what their feelings were about soda and what their drinking habits were. And, and because we were not, we were interviewing people of a, a, a wide age range, but mostly in the kind of, you know, uh, uh, 19 to 35 year old kind of range. Right. And you turn on the recorder and I knew that the first things that everyone would say would be almost verbatim. Soda's bad. It's killing the world. Da, 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 da. I never drink soda. I never. Da, 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 da. And then you have to go through like an hour of this. And yep. then once they start to forget they're on, you know, whatever that it's all the stuff that we know that we're supposed to say, once we get through saying that, that's where the interesting stuff happens. And it was so fascinating because you'd hear people be like in the beginning of the interview, like I never drink soda. Da, da, da. And it was like, well, but when I go to the movie theater, though, I, I can't not have my soda. I have to have my soda. And my soda is like this, and it needs to be this temperature and this cup. And then I get this snack. And it's like this, and it's like this obsessive sort of like really detailed experience. And I'm like, oh, that's really rich stuff. That's yeah. not going away. Um, and if 
they are allowed to talk about their favorite soda brands, they'll be like, well, Dr. Pepper all the way. I can't not. Da, 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 da. Um, or like there are strong feelings about grape soda and orange soda. And, you know, you get on this roll and then it's a never ending treasure trove of yeah. how much people actually really like soda. And, and so you we have really to wanted stop to... them. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And then there's crosstalk with a lot of other people in the room if you do group sessions. Um, and then there's all these memories and then generational stuff gets into it. And I'm like, this is an amazingly rich, wonderful space. Let's unlock that space again. And so that's really the, the ultimate um, goal of, of how we're getting, you know, reinvigorating the, the best of what soda is. Amazing. And I know it's better for you. In what ways is United Sodas of America better for you? So what we did was when we looked at, um, it's, it's essentially the nutritionals, what's in the, uh, what's in the can. And then, you know, what, what, what does that translate to in terms of calories, sugar, things like this. And there was this great sort of phase where everything that was zero calorie was the only way to go. And I think luckily we're in this new sort of era where people understand that you don't have to have a zero calorie experience to feel really good about what you're drinking because zero calories often means all you have is chemicals um, or it's just water. And we weren't creating just water. Uh, so the base that we worked off of was really making sure we had a flavorful experience that tasted real, didn't taste like fake chemicals. So that means we went through a long process of tasting um, different levels of, um, you know, uh, plant sweeteners that are based in nature in combination with um, organic uh, cane sugar. And so you have to get those levels right because the cane sugar allows your taste buds and your brain to register the sweetness as real sweetness. If you don't have that, it's just not our brain chemistry to to register it that way. And so we wanted that satisfying feeling. I think there's a lot of studies done about this with aspartame, where the reason why people drink so much Coca-Cola is because you're, or not Coca-Cola, Diet Coke and Diet Sodas is because your brain is trying to find the real sweet factor. Oh, wow. I can't, it's like, I, I need another one because I'm like, it's almost there, but it's like not right, you know? Yeah. So it's just that touch of cane sugar really helps. So all of those ingredients that we use, those plant-based sweeteners um, and the organic cane sugar, they're all organic. And then on top of that, we went through this incredible process of developing flavors that were going to really give that sweetness, you know, a really satisfying soda experience, which is that big poppy, like, you know, soda yeah. flavor, you know, it's all about the flavor in soda, which is why sparkling water isn't soda. It's sparkling water and it's exactly. great for what it is. So the flavor um, journey, I, I know I've just talked a lot about the, that, but the flavor journey is a whole other conversation. Um, and, uh, and it really is the backbone of our differentiation. Of um, course. I mean, it's your entire product. If you're yeah. not passionate about it, we're in, we're in trouble. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, no it's, that, that's perfect. It is, Talk away, please. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, so the, the, the formulation itself is 30 calories across the entire range. Um, and the sugar is six grams of sugar. So every flavor has that profile. And we, it was really important for us that we developed that so that there was not confusion. You know, it doesn't matter if you like grape or blueberry or pear, you that shouldn't be part of your factor uh, decision-making factors. You should just know what you're getting every time. Um, and the one core to the brand is the idea of variety of flavors. You can't be called United Sodas of America and have three flavors on shelf. Now, this is a 
difficult proposition for a CPG brand because many, many SKUs creates a lot of operational complexity. It has to, you know, has an impact on your financials. It has an impact on your selling strategy. It makes things more complicated. Um, but we really felt strongly that we needed to have the product make a statement. And the statement for us was all about these really high quality, unique flavors that created a range visually, but also a range in your taste. So the visually, the way that the brand is structured is the base of the brand is black and white because anything can be built on top of black and white. So as a brand, you know, the foundation, the backdrop is interesting uses of black and white and text and um, and and copy and things like this. That's a really foundational part of the brand. On top of that, every flavor has its own color. And so when you bring more flavors into the picture, you have a lot more expressiveness. So we've got black and white, and then we have our 12 core colors. Those colors are a visual representation of the flavor journey that we offer. And so we developed the colors and the flavors at the same time. And that was important because if we just went with, okay, uh, flavor team come up with 12 great flavors. It could be that those 12 great flavors could only be represented by three reddish tones, one green tone, and one purple tone. If you were to show that to people on your debut of your brand, that doesn't really look like a variety. That just looks like yeah. randomly chosen things. A little disjointed, so, yes. Yeah, exactly. So the, it, there's this like marriage of the concept of the brand, the promise of the brand, the visuals of the brand, and then the sensory like flavor of the brand, the pr product core. And so we had this amazing, you know, calls with our flavor team where we like literally have a rainbow, and we would say, okay, what are our favorite flavors so far? And we would see where they would map out on the rainbow and if we had a hole we'd be like okay let's do some more ideation what would be great for the blue section yeah. like we've got a blueberry we've got a purple pear we've got you know and we would then that's how we would you know lavender like that's how we would sort of start to ideate like what's an exciting flavor that can be expressed with blue and um and that's where sort of the design team and the flavor team come together. And it's really interesting process. Yeah, awesome. So we continue to do this um, with all the new flavors that we are developing. And we are developing new flavors. We have 12. So we've got a good family that we have to take yeah, care of. Yeah, I would of. say you have a pretty yeah. solid base. Did yeah. you launch with 12 flavors? We did start? launch with 12 flavors. Yep. Lord, yeah. bless and your heart. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> not, not only did you launch with 12 flavors, but I'm pretty sure you weren't planning on launching in the middle of the greatest pandemic of all time so right. that probably right. required a bit of adjustment as well um mm. how how did that impact your strategy considering you've spent 12 years previously just right. focused on strategy with the launch and, and how you took the brand forward mm -hmm. well um I have to say we were very, very lucky in that we always intended to launch D2C first. Um, you have a lot more control over how you tell the story. You don't have to convince a lot of people to put you in store. You don't need to ask permission for people to care about you, essentially. You can just start and then go and do your thing, right? And we've always intended to do that, which is why when the pandemic hit, we actually didn't have to pivot retail strategy. We yeah. don't have to worry about a lot of cooks in the kitchen or a lot of partners that were depending on us to deliver at an exact moment. Um, we ended up uh, being more patient with our launch. We initially intended to launch a few months earlier, but we ended up launching in May because March things started to get crazy and we yeah. just had to kind of relook at the timeline. And uh, so that was one of the things that we had to adjust was timing. But to be honest, 
the team was so strong. We were so focused on what we were making and we knew we just had to make it right that, um, I mean, the adjustments were more personal than anything. You know, we had to Zoom everything. At, we had to launch a brand over, you know, Zoom, Zoom conversations. I couldn't be there for the first production run, which was like nerve-wracking. Yeah, the pull your hair. But, <laughs> but, you know, we were on the phone and we were texting and video chatting with all of our production partners minute by minute, you know, especially in the beginning when it's the first time you've really been working with partners to make something. And, and it actually, like, miraculously ended up being okay and yes there were hurdles for sure but um i think look there's always going to be hurdles like you just you know if you have a sturdy boat and great people on the boat if a storm comes you're just going to be better equipped and and so that's really what i'm focusing on is making sure that we continue to keep the boat strong and keep the keep the staff on the boat you know (laughs) really really excited and really well prepared and really focused on their job and working well together um yeah and i think that's how we got through it honestly that's awesome and since you did go d to c first how how are you identifying who the customer is that you want to go after Mm -hmm. and how are you finding them yeah, this is a phased approach for us. Um, I believe that the ultimate opportunity for this brand is big and wide and cross generational, and um, and uh, you know cuts through many different types of demographic or psychographic opportunities. Um, and so while I don't like to say that, you know, I don't think brands should believe that it's okay to, you know, just say we're for everybody. I think it's clear that there are some opportunities that can get you there in the meantime, by the time we get there, you know, I would like to earn our spot there in the meantime. Um, the way that we're finding our customers is really making sure that we're true to the spirit of how we created this brand. We created this brand with a bunch of creative people who believe in, uh, innovation and um, industries that allow for innovation, disruption, things like that. So the people that we're going to attract are going to be creative people, usually in urban environments, who are really interested in doing something differently, and um, and creators in general. So it's surprising. Like if you put some juju into your brand, you'll see what comes back. And, you know, and so like, we've got musicians, we've got designers, we've got actors, we've got, you know, Hollywood, weirdly, like I'm not a Hollywood person, but there's something about the visuals and the swagger of the brand that people just come out of the woodwork. I mean, (laughs) we're contacted by people all the time on Instagram that are, you know, we don't pay our, we don't, we don't pay some PR team. Uh, well, I do have a fantastic PR team, but I like an influencer PR team Yeah, I know um, what you mean. Yeah. To, to like knock on Haley Bieber's door and say, do you want some soda? That's not how, <laughs> that's not how she fell into our brand. She just loved us, DM'd us. And now we're in this relationship with them and they are such huge advocates of the brand. And I'm not here to be like, you know, celebrity hugger or whatever, but I was extremely touched by that because she's a person and Justin Bieber is a person who like, you know, they're creative people. They, you know, they make things, they, and, and, uh, and that's the kind of people we are. And there's lots of other, um, opportunities like that out there. So, um, 
look, I could talk about like how we target our media and the demographics and how we, you know, you know, uh, geo yeah. stuff. We decided but, yeah, we're not like, doing of that. Of course yeah. we can yeah. talk about that. But <laughs> for me, it's really about like what you put into the brand, the authentic spirit that you put into the brand is always going to be what you get from the world. And, uh, and so we just have to be really good about, about continuing to do that. What's your take on out of home advertising? How do you feel about it? I love out of home. I love out of home so much. Um, and the reason why I love out of home is because um, I spent so much of my career talking to brands about how they need to fill a space this big. And like... <laughs> And like how you need to like make the the first second and then th- is the only second that matters. And it has to be like this. And it has to like break through somebody's like their, their, you know, their b- attention barrier. And it's yeah. like snack, 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 snack. And I'm just like, oh my God, I never want to do that again. Of course we, we do these things. But yeah. so out of home is so refreshing. And it's like this, I think it seems really, really old school to a lot of people, but it's almost so old school that it's come back around. And People love out of home. It's big. It's, it's cool huge, again. It's flashy. You can do funny shit. You can do iconic stuff. Um, it's it's just, you know, I think it's worth the investment if only to say, hey, we're actually innovating outside of tech. Like that's something that I think brands that are fluid in in how to do on and offline should feel comfortable with. And um, so when we did it, we did it really, really simply. Um, we targeted it towards one area in our backyard in, in Brooklyn. Um, we wanted something that almost um, didn't have any messaging on it and was just like big and beautiful and uh, something that you might want to like take a photo in front of, right? Yeah. So uh, we just have the these- dream. Yeah, we had these beautiful um, outdoor placements where it was just big, huge rainbow cans, like rolling around <laughs> corner units, rolling down the sides of buildings. Um, and and they were they were really, you know, everyone loves a great, big, huge rainbow. And um, and that's all we had to say. It was just the cans and then United Soda of America. And um, it was very, very exciting for us. And it was also something that opened my eyes to the fact that um, out of home is also is a B2B strategy as well as a um, D to C strategy. And um, B to B means that if you're big and you're bold, then businesses, retailers, buyers, distributors pay attention to you. And so it created a lot of inbound interest to us from the industry. Sounds like sound strategy to me. So I I feel like you're putting your past to work. Mm -hmm. Very well. Um, I am not asking what your favorite flavor is. Thank you for not asking that. If, it's refreshing. <laughs> if you were to grab a can of United Soda, okay. is there <laughs> is there one that's more likely? And do you go off of flavor or color? Um. Well, okay. Right now, I'm drinking sour blueberry. It is probably. I mean, if I have to, like, just like be like, get a soda right now. Like, here, there's all twelve. Like, just pick one. It's probably the one that I go for. And I also think it's my favorite color is blue. So maybe that has something to do with it. Totally. To answer your question, um, but my favorite flavor really, or the the flavor du jour changes du jour. Um, and so, uh, right now, <laughs> that's I'm the really, flavor of the day. <laughs> yes. Flavor of the day is the flavor of the day. So it does change every day. And, um, I'll go through phases. You know, I went through a big, huge cherry pop phase. I went through a big, huge young mango phase. Um, but you know, in the springtime and in the summer, like a good strawberry basil or a pear elderflower yeah. is like, 
spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And we find that like, there's some fluctuation too, between like what people gravitate towards. Like right now we're hearing a lot about lemon verbena. I don't think that has anything to do with the season. I think for whatever reason, like lemon verbena is like really really hot right now. Um, (laughs) And uh, maybe we should create like a heat map, like on our website where it's like, what, what's the hot flavor? This, like literally sure. Yeah. Um, I think people would love to know about that because we do see fluctuations and it's like really interesting. And then there are some flavors that have like big fan clubs. Um, the men who like pear elderflower is a very specific group of people. Interesting. And they are, they love it. Absolutely love uh, pear elderflower for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, and the orange nectaring folks are very interesting as well. They, they tend to really like, they tend to be like very like happy um, kind of uh, a lot of musicians like Interesting. Oh, I like that you have characteristics for for each flavor. Yeah, basically. well, every flavor has its own has its own vibe. Like young mango. I mean, yeah, that, that's Seems an like a different character. type of swagger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we we did create like the, the, our naming strategy and um, the way that we talk about them on our website does create a kind of like universe for every individual flavor. Fair. That, mm. That's awesome. That fully answers the question. <laughs> the the question is your, mind you. Um, <laughs> I guess next, what's what's next for United Sodas? I know you mentioned that you're working on new flavors, new colors. Mm-hmm. Is there mm-hmm. anything in the pipeline that you can share that's not top secret? Not really. Um, the fact that we're developing them is interesting news. Yeah, uh, I not, think so. Not everyone knows that, but on uh, top of the twelve, yes. Exactly. Um, we are right now what we're focusing on from a um, like from a more business standpoint is really expanding our distributor network. So uh, we're going to be showing up more and more on shelves across the country, which is really exciting for us. Uh, and it's been going wonderfully. Um, and the team managing that is fantastic. Uh, and then from a brand standpoint in 2021, we um, we made the decision in 2020, actually, I'm going to back up. We made the decision in 2020 to really focus on the simplicity of what we were doing, where we call the brand, um, the way that we work, powerfully minimal. So we are a minimalist brand, even though we have 12 flavors, you know, it is the whole, you know, the idea of being minimal. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's backwards. Yeah, I find it. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of being minimal is like very much apparent in everything that we do. We don't talk too much. We have like just the information that you need. And I think there's something really refreshing about that. So when we launched, we wanted it to be focused on the visuals, on simple language. And that has done an immense benefit to us. We needed to say, this is who we are. This is what we make you know, come join us. Now we're in a phase where the next part of the story is going to be a little bit deeper and a little bit richer about, um, you know, why we exist, what we believe in, cultivating relationships with specific communities, giving back to those communities. Although we did, I mean, it's been incredible because the team really was found ways this year to give back. It's a very challenging year for America. So, um, this year we gave to, uh, we did a, a hospital donation uh, oh, program wow. where we partnered with hospitals and gave them soda for all of their frontline workers. We gave to Until Freedom, which is an organization that supports Breonna Taylor and that that quest. Um, and cool. we, yeah, we also gave to the Brooklyn Defenders, which help defend people who um, cannot afford a lawyer. Uh, and so that was all extremely proud of our ability to do to do all of that. But next year, I think what we're trying to do is really make more of them. Um, kind of a 
uh, a brand level platform and statement around what we believe in. And um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, It's all, you know, every chapter has to have its own focus. So moving into 2021 is very exciting for us. I can tell. That's awesome. (laughs) Last question before I let you get back to your day. Um, Where can people find you and or United Sodas on the web? Mm -hmm. So United Sodas is easy. It's just unitedsodas.com. And then uh, Instagram handle is at United Sodas. That's the best place to find us, to reach us, to find out what we're all about. Um, and we're really open to, uh, you know, DM conversations and just finding people there. I mean, you'd be amazed how much business actually gets done through Instagram. Oh, no, it makes total sense. It's wildly <laughs> yeah. underrated. So, yeah, so reach out to us there. Uh, and then um, and then I personally am at Marisa Zupan. You can find me on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, although I'm not super active on Twitter, but I do respond and, you know, so hit me up and then LinkedIn, of course. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty simple. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. yeah easy. Pretty easy. Marisa, thank you so much for doing this. Thank this was you awesome. so much. I really appreciate it. I look forward to, uh, to hearing it. For sure. Thanks. That's okay. awesome. Yeah, totally. See ya. This is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1.37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.